And good morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. This is Harrison Smith with another episode of Cinema, and it's brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Dark Matter TV is a streaming platform where you can find not just current genre entertainment and horror, sci-fi, thriller, and action, but also classic content that takes you back to the great old days of late night cable and finding those cult and classic films that they just don't make anymore. Available for download on Android or Apple or visit darkmattertv.com. It's free, it's fun, and it's gonna grow. You remember that sound? That's the sound of the CBS uh, special presentation. And if you're a Gen Xer especially, you're going to remember that because it came at the front of when something truly special was on, whether it was The Wizard of Oz, whether it was Ricky Ticky Tavi, Charlie Brown, any of the Charlie Brown uh, holiday specials, uh, The White Seal, I remember, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. There was something special about it. I was talking about this because I want to go over something today for this episode with the cynicism that I feel may have been behind some of the, uh, what I call the home video dumping of the early 1980s. But first, if you go back to that CBS special sound. There was a time when you looked in the TV guide and these certain programs only aired once a year. And if you didn't see them, you didn't see them. There was no recording it on beta or VHS. It didn't repeat in an encore presentation. You waited another year for it. You begged for that extra half hour or an hour to sit up. I remember, even though I had seen The Wizard of Oz, how many times I would beg to sit up to watch it all the way through to the end. Although, to be honest, I only just wanted to see it for the tornado scene, which still fascinates me today and I still think is a great effect. They, they did a wonderful job with that. In recent news, Apple has announced that uh, the networks, uh, ABC, I believe, even though Charlie Brown and uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, originally started on CBS, uh, they was playing on ABC and they announced it will not be playing on ABC, but will be streaming. And you can find all of these things now pretty much everywhere. And if you can't find them legally, whether to rent or properly view them without pirating, there are plenty of torrent and pirate sites for you to download or watch and get your fix that way. And if you remember that line in The Incredibles, it goes along something along the line of once everyone's special, no one is. And that's part of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Cynicism is the enemy of entertainment. And as you know, I've used Jaws the Revenge, the movie, uh, for the basis and almost the litmus test of, of everything that I've talked about in now 68 episodes of this podcast. But I want to go back a little bit. And I want to go back to the late 1970s, early 1980s, when the consumer ability to actually, I mean, look, they've been recording on videotape for decades before the 80s. I mean, the old Jackie Gleason shows, the Honeymooners, a number of variety shows, uh, they were already recording on videotape. And they were much different than the cartridges that we grew up with. Recording on video was not something really revolutionary or new in the late 70s or 80s. It just became accessible. You needed content. And what was there to fill that content? It's not like today where people are streaming all their stuff, whether it's on YouTube or Vimeo, TikTok, whatever platforms are out there, and there's just so much content. Back then, you were limited to pretty much only three network channels. 
Cable was just starting to come up the ranks and HBO and, and subscription services like that, home box office, Prism, Cinemax, they were just starting to become a staple of households. Most households by the early 1980s were still limited to three networks at that time. Now for us, we had a cable box and we thought we had hit the mother load when my parents uh, got HBO. And I remember we had the brown box with I think like 20, 30 some buttons at the top. And you just click these buttons and it was wired to the TV. There was no wireless remote. But when you wanted to watch your content, you watched whatever HBO was showing you. And that's why I mentioned um, in some previous podcasts about the HBO guides. They became beloved. And if you remember, the HBO guides were just these small little pamphlets, very colorful, that showed uh, basically the programming that was coming out for the upcoming month. And I started to collect them. I loved looking at them because my movies were going to be on HBO. So before I get to videotape and VCRs and, and all of that, I had a conversation with someone this weekend and she was saying that, you know, there was a time when she actually thought, wouldn't it be great if one day you could have access to all your favorite movies? And we're talking about from a time when that just didn't happen. And it totally related to me because, and I'll just say now, some of you are going to be like, oh, for God's sake. But man, I remember from like 1981 through arguably like 84, Ghost Story, the 1981 horror film with Fred Astaire and John Hausman. My God, I love that movie. And looking back on it now, look, I, I like it and I see where it was atmospheric and there were some great things about it. But overall, a very poor translation of Peter Straub's fantastic uh, novel about really, in my opinion, the death of the American small town. But I love that movie. I fell in love with Ghost Story. And I just wanted to watch it all the time. And I remembered saying in school one time to a friend that one day I was going to make movies and I would be wealthy enough to have my own projector system in my home. Not even thinking at that time that we would have access to technology that would allow us to watch things on gigantic flat screen TVs. I envisioned a large movie theater in my home and all I would do is watch Ghost Story. I just envisioned, you know, threading up this movie on the big reels and just sitting down because I would have all the time in the world, right? Just to sit and watch Ghost Story over and over again. And the reason why I felt that way is because Ghost Story just wasn't readily available. And I remember when it came on HBO and I tried so hard to watch it every time it came on HBO. But then there was something further the local video outlet, the video rental store. We had one in our town. And for a brief shining moment, they were the monopoly. And I'm telling you, by 1982, they were charging like $5 a rental. That was a lot for 1982, especially knowing what would happen once grocery stores and other outlets and even gas stations would allow you know, to rent videotapes and you would get the 99 cent rental. Five bucks was a hefty price for a rental. I used to walk into this video store and they had it all, like they did it right, man. It was uh, like dark in there and they had these rope lights. I, I guess they were LED at the time, but it was so dimly lit and it was a cool place and they had some kind of new age music on, but they also had 
shelves that had VCRs and also the brand new, what were called the porta packs. It was a VCR that split in half and you could connect the recording part to a camera. And this was like the Wonka factory to me because this technology was not so readily available. And there they had the shelves of videos and they had beta, the small tapes, and they had VHS. And VHS was just starting to really make its rounds. And sitting on one of the shelves, sure enough, was Ghost Story. I, I swear I rented that movie enough times that I probably could have bought that VHS tape. And I made my friends watch it. And I made them watch it on HBO. And I had one friend just a year ago said, I fucking hated that movie and you made me watch it so many times. But it kept staying special to me because simply I, I just couldn't get enough of it because it wasn't readily available. I didn't have it sitting on my shelf. Well, guess what? I'm looking in my office now over at my closet and I have it on DVD. And I think I've watched it maybe twice in the last five years since I bought that DVD. So there's something about the specialness of things of when it becomes common. And most of all, with ready access, easy access to something. And I know you're going, Harrison, this is a no-brainer, no shit. However, I want to now take this kind of feeling where eventually, once I did, by the way, I did get Ghost Story on VHS and I think I watched it a couple times. I didn't pop it in all the time. Once I knew I had it, I didn't want it so much anymore. And then I started to find fault with it. So now let's go back to the 1970s. And I'm going to stop here for a moment to talk about uh, my movie, The Special. It screened uh, two weeks ago at a local movie theater, Real Cinemas in Lancaster, PA. And I noticed something when I was down there, when I was walking through the halls, they had movie posters up for Back to the Future, Mean Girls, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and a bunch of other older films, including Hocus Pocus. And I thought, my God, these, these films were out. How many years ago? Now they're playing them again. Well, why? Well, they're, they're cheap to license. And there's content because the pandemic has stopped the new content from coming in. And theaters are holding their content also uh, waiting for this pandemic to pass because a movie like James Bond, a movie like Godzilla versus Kong, they're never going to recoup on streaming. They need the theatrical audience. So it's leaving a lot of movie theaters empty, which is why we've seen the chains like Regal and AMC are announcing that they're on their last legs. They're closing theaters temporarily. They're trying to, to stave off bankruptcy. Now, that's where it goes back to also, I'm going to tie all this together. I ran a movie theater uh, for eight years as a manager. And in addition, I was an usher at a movie theater as a teenager. And I'm going to say this, I don't think the movies will ever go away. And the reason why is they're still special. There's something about a date. There's something about date night. There's something about a night out at the movies. And there's something about seeing it up on a big screen with a collective audience. There is something very important to the experience. There are certain films out there that are an experience. They're not just watching a movie. They are a true emotional and sometimes even physical, visceral experience. And I feel that we got shortchanged because imagine now, 
Think about this. Think of a world, envision a world, where Jaws, Star Wars, Close Encounters, Casablanca, all these other films, these great iconic films had never been released to home video. And that the only way you saw them was when they were periodically released every so many years as a theatrical release. Can you imagine now with the pandemic and even as a vaccine comes in and things start to go back to normal, people would flock to the movie theaters to see Jaws back up on the big screen. Now, wait, I know what you're saying. They have revival houses, Harrison. This is nothing new. I'm not talking about that. Look, you go to those revival houses. I bet you some of you are listening right now, nodding your heads. You went to see Jaws again on the big screen, maybe even the last couple years, and it was packed because people see it and they know seeing Jaws up on a 40-foot screen is far different than seeing it even on the biggest flat screen in your home. Seeing Jaws with two, 300 people, even 50 people is an experience. And that's what made me want to make movies in the first place. It was watching people at the end stand up and applaud and gave a movie a standing ovation. The experience that I had seeing Return of the Jedi in theaters with audiences applauding every time one of the characters came on. People screaming at the end for Vader to do something as the Emperor was frying Luke on the floor of the new Death Star. That was an incredible experience and people cheering when Vader finally went good and chucked the Emperor over the side into that chasm. That is something you can't get watching on a home video screen. It will never happen that way. And most of all, Star Wars brought us together. Jaws brought us together as a country. And we're missing that now. And with this pandemic making things even worse, we're missing the collective experience and the ability to share emotions as a group of people instead of us so partisan and divided as we are right now. Whether you're Trump or you're Biden, Harris or Pence, red or blue, conservative or liberal or whatever hat you wear, All of us in a room watching Star Wars or Raiders of Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, we're all together then. And nobody's looking at your politics and who you vote for and what you believe. We're all cheering for those people on the screen. We're all applauding. We're all screaming. It doesn't matter. Imagine if Halloween had never been released to home video and releasing it every five to 10 years as a theatrical experience. Look, when when they put these things to video, I remember working at a video store as a kid and I remember understanding something called pan and scan and cropping. They were just taking these movies and dumping them. They weren't even giving them really good proper presentations. It wasn't until about late 83, 84 when letterboxing came into the lexicon And that was where movies were starting to be treated with a little more care. So you see the whole movie, even though you have the black bars on top and the bottom of the movie, you're seeing the whole movie. And let me tell you, when I saw the first experience between Letterboxd and Pan and Scan, I never wanted to watch a Pan and Scan movie ever again. And Pan and Scan, for those of you who don't know, is basically full frame where they blow the movie up and they cropped it to fit your TV screen, because at the time, 
TV screens were not widescreen. They were still your Magnavox 25-inch tube TVs or your Sony XBRs, and the biggest they were getting is 25-35 inches, but they had a different aspect ratio. Putting films like Jaws out on video, I remember seeing uh, Jaws on VHS and how grainy it was and how washed out the picture was. And the same went also for Star Wars. One of the first Star Wars VHS copies, what a dumpy transfer. And that made me upset because these films are national treasures. And and I'm not just saying anything Spielberg or Lucas related or big box office. I'm going back to even, you know, look, Mildred Pierce, the original Frankenstein. These films, if you understand with uh, the Library of Congress, certain films are deemed culturally relevant Those kind of films that are deemed culturally relevant and placed into the Library of Congress, they should have never been allowed to go to home video. That's how I feel. And that even means that, no, I wouldn't be able to take Jaws off my shelf right now and sit down and look at all the the behind-the-scenes extras and analyze every frame to see where there's a blooper or uh, some type of continuity error. Look, I have the 40th anniversary Jaws Blu-ray and I have so much of that of the extras, the shark is still working and all of that stuff. I, I think I've watched it a handful of times. But when? To show other people. Because I love sitting in a movie, I don't care how many times it is, if I'm showing it to other people because I love their reaction. And now we've become so fractured and split and antagonistic with each other. What we really need is a good old-fashioned great blockbuster to kind of bring us all back together again and remind us that we're only here for a short amount of time and we should really be enjoying things a hell of a lot more than what we are. The studios, they found a way to have a cash grab. That's really what it was. So you dump some of your biggest titles and how many versions of these biggest titles? I mean, not just if you're going, oh, well, the Lucas, you know, special editions. I'm not even talking about those. I'm talking about... I mean, Star Wars, I don't know how many different releases of the original Star Wars film were released in varying stages of quality, from pan and scan to widescreen to refined sound and as sound systems at home got better, and they just became commonplace. And Star Wars now has so many spinoffs and sequels, and we have The Mandalorian, and we have so much. It's kind of like Star Trek. I just read an article recently where... I think it was Carl Urban, or was it Zachary uh, Quinto who said that there may not be a Star Trek, an Abrams, Kelvin timeline Star Trek for, because right now the market is just so saturated. And I think he's right. There's just so much. Look, I don't even know how many Star Trek TV shows are there now. I'm just revisiting again on Netflix, The Next Generation, because I didn't even really watch all of that. I was always an original kind of guy. And most of all, I I watched the original movies. I didn't even really watch. I'll still bet there's some original series episodes that I never really watched. It, It wasn't my thing. But when something becomes now so commonplace... It just kind of joins the ether and and almost becomes a kind of visual or, or shall I say even like a pop cultural noise. We kind of start tuning things out. It's kind of like white noise, right? We, we just, it's there playing, it's going on. We hear it in the background. We can pull these films off our shelves. We can rent them now. And, and that's the other thing. Even DVDs are disappearing. Hard media is disappearing, making things even less special. 
So now we can just go on TV and, and you know, call up a service, whether it's Amazon Prime or, or whatever it is, and we can find these movies at the click of a button. And all their relevance, all their importance are gone. And some of these films were meant to be seen on a big screen. The Towering Inferno, The Poseidon Adventure. Some of these films should have been plucked away from the home video dump. And somebody saying, look, we should get together. And I think I've said this before, that all the studio heads at the time should have had a summit. And they should have said, we are picking certain films from our libraries that we promise to never release on home video and that we should set up a kind of re-release type of program where every so many years, so we don't step on each other's toes, we are going to release these films on this schedule theatrically. It brings back nostalgia. It brings people back to experience a movie that really was meant to be seen on a big screen and to bind us culturally. On one hand, we gain the ability to share these movies with anyone at any time, which is great. I have done that. I've been able to share Jaws and other films with other people. But you know the one thing that keeps coming back is when you talk about your experience when you saw it in the theater or the time that I saw Jaws in its first re-release in 1980 in a drive-in and you saw that faint glimmer of light up on that drive-in screen and then you heard that music and all the cars around us started honking their horns and flashing their headlights. How do you repeat that experience on your 70-inch Samsung? You don't. That's the problem. Some of these films that bind us and define us as a nation and a people, they should have never been dumped onto home video in the first place. Because some of the specialness isn't just the content of the movie itself, but it was about the experience and watching them, the emotions they elicited. That's all important. And unfortunately, that's gone now. So this little CBS special sound, it brings back a lot more than just that sound. So when people listen to it and go, I don't get it. I don't see what he's talking about because you weren't eight years old sitting there with your TV tray over your lap, shoving popcorn or candy bar, or perhaps even toast and cocoa into your mouth, waiting for Ricky Ticky Tavi to show up. It's the experience that we had, the memories that we share. And I really do feel in this pandemic, we could really use some of these older films to come back. But unfortunately, their importance or their impact has been diminished because number one, it's hard to gather all those people together again in a theater right now under the pandemic conditions. But number two, a lot of people go, and I heard it when I was in the lobby at the special, a lot of people going, I have it at home. Oh, it's streaming. Everything has changed in that way that we are no longer bound together by something really cool in the way of our pop culture. Something to think about. Thank you for listening. And I hope you also had some great experiences watching movies at a time when maybe we all weren't so cynical. This is Harrison Smith. Thank you for listening. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give a rating and review. Cinema is also available on YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Play Music and more. Check out my cinema blog on horrorfuel.net 
and download Dark Matter TV for your Apple or Android devices.